0: Hello and welcome into the first episode of the Devils in Detail podcast. My name is Zach McHale, and joined alongside me today are Cokie Riley and Carson Field. And guys, Herm Edwards' proverbial train officially leaves the station on Saturday night when Arizona State welcomes the UTSA Roadrunners to Sun Devil Stadium. Let's get ready to talk some football.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: All right. Wonderful. So, I mean, obviously, the national eye of Arizona State has been on Herm Edwards' Since the day he was hired to replace Todd Graham, so I mean, right off the bat, what's your guys' initial expect, expectations of Herm Edwards coming into this first season?
1: For me, it's it's tough to expect what you're what you're gonna get because this is a guy who hasn't coached in nearly a decade. Um, he's been mostly at the pro level, hasn't coached at the college level in quite a long time. But his energy and his enthusiasm for the game and for um, really really the youth of football is certainly going to play as an advantage for him this season as ASU's head coach. There's going to be a lot of learning experiences for him, even as a 64-year-old experienced head coach. But at the same time, there is... ASU fans should certainly be optimistic about um, their chances for the future.
2: I agree. It's a little hard to know what to expect to this first season for Herm. But if one thing, he's going to motivate those players like death, And I think that... Um, if he does that, then maybe their coordinators could do a little more of the in-game coaching. This team could find themselves with maybe seven to eight wins this year.
0: I'm really glad you brought up the win total there. I think seven eight wins is a reasonable number for the Sun Devils to shoot for. We'll get to our specific yeah. season win loss projections a little later in this in this episode. But moving on with Herm himself, I mean, I think this is a coach that's got the repertoire. He's got the he's got the experience as an NFL coach. I mean, he played the game, so I mean. That alone is enough
1: Definitely, yeah, 10 years in the league, yeah.
0: But it's really going to boil down to one player, in my opinion, and that's Manny Wilkins, the senior. He's gone through four coordinators now in as many years. The spotlight's really on him to shine, and I think if Wilkins can really show it this year, he's got the potential to get drafted maybe in the later rounds. I agree. But if not really, realistically, should make it in the league in some backup capacity.
1: Mm. I would certainly certainly agree. Um that heading into this year, it seems as if ASU will be heading towards more of a pro-style uh, under uh, center under under center offense with Manny Wilkins. And although he's gone through four different four different offensive coordinator changes in four years, he should be able to adjust to this new system, even if it is a radical change from the previous seasons. So yeah, so his so in my opinion. Um, him being more under center should help his draft stock this year.
2: Yeah, Kirk Herpshire actually mentioned Manny Wilkins as one of his most under-the-radar players of this year's college football season, and I totally agree with that. He gets really slept on because ASU really doesn't have the name recognition of some of these bigger programs, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida State, but he's really made himself a name as a dual-threat quarterback, and it helps to have a guy named Nikhil Harry catching balls for you, but even then, I think he has a chance to get drafted if he keeps playing like he
0: has. Absolutely. And then, Koki, you mentioned that change to the I formation, a lot more under center work, using two backs out of the backfield consistently. If it hasn't been made evident enough, Herm Edwards wants to run the football. He has gone out. He's got his grad transfers in Roy Hemsley, Casey Tucker. He's worked on helping the, his, uh, the, re- the remainder of the Todd Graham players and Cole Cabral, Steve Miller, Quinn Bailey, getting, getting healthy and molding them into shape to become a True division one offensive line because the reality was they were not under Todd Graham, giving up way too many sacks, giving up way too many hard hits to Manny Wilkins. I think this adjustment to the under center, to going under center, will benefit him tremendously as the season progresses, both health wise and accuracy wise.
1: Mm. And it, and NFL's NFL teams will love to see him get more work under center and have him be more comfortable in NFL style offenses.
0: So I mean. Moving on from Manny himself. Carson, you would mentioned Nikhil Harry, and you mentioned ASU not being the biggest name. I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball right now. All right. So my question to you is this. Does Manny Wilkins, or excuse me, does Nikhil Harry get a, have a higher draft stock if he does not attend Arizona State?
2: I think he does have a higher draft stock if he does not attend Arizona State. I mean, just the, the games are so late that not enough people get to know... Um, how much he, how many 50-50 balls he's caught, how many one-handed grabs, how just how great the dude is. The games are usually on Pac-12 Network. That doesn't really help the national hype around them. So, but I think this year he's gonna have a Bolitnikov Bolitnikov campaign and possibly win that award. So maybe maybe that could help his
1: draft stock. I would certainly agree with everything Carson just said. Nikhil Harry, I think, really has it all. He's a great route runner. He's bigger than all any corner he goes up against. He's got speed, size, athleticism. He's everything you want from a wide receiver. And to be honest, I would be disappointed if he was not a first round draft pick. He has that sort of talent.
2: I personally think if he goes to
0: Alabama, he's a top five pick. Top five. Wow. Okay. That's that's a. I mean, I don't know about that high. He's definitely talented. He's definitely improved. He's definitely got some things he could still work on. Though. I mean. The speed will never really get there at this at this that stage of the game, but his route running is crisp. His phys- his sheer size alone makes him a matchup a mismatch for a lot of cornerbacks. Wonderful in hands, great hands. I mean, it's just really going to come down to speed and fatigue. But if I think if those are two things that scouts eventually overlook, that's something that he could that his that his size and his numbers could could make up for as the season wears on, but. I mean, one one another group that's going to really be pivotal to stopping ASU is this UTSA defense. And I mean, I know that three of us talked about it a little bit in the past week or so leading up to them this game. But UTSA last season had the number five total defense in all of college They're football. Mm. A top five defense. So I mean, that's not an exaggeration. That's not a that's not a misprint. But granted, Marcus Davenport, defensive end was the backbone of that defense. Now he's with the Saints. He was a first-round pick this year. So, I mean, what does UTSA need to do defensively to show that they haven't lost a step and to contain a player like Nikhil Harry, to contain the run game with Benjamin and Isaiah Floyd?
2: I think that they'll have to double-team Nikhil Harry, personally. That secondary only returns one player in C.J. Levine, so it's not going to be easy to stop such a big threat like Nikhil Harry. But the front seven does have a lot of returners, so I guess just put a lot of pressure on Manny
1: Wilkins. For, for me, the roadrunners are going to need to be able to stop the ASU running attack. Last year, they have lost four of their top six tacklers from a season ago, including Marcus Davenport, and I think if ASU's going to score points in this game, Manny Wilkins isn't going to need to be um, crisp from the pocket. He's, I don't think they're going to throw the ball quite as much as um, they, would, they, they may in some other games. So... I look for ASU to really to really run the ball and expose um, the amount of missed mis tackler miss uh, I guess tackling um, prowesses of the um, UTSA defense.
0: Football definitely a game of inches. There, so, I mean, I could understand where letting other teams make their mistakes and capitalizing could play a big role in this game. ASU has missed quite a few tackles in the last few years. I mean, mm. terrible transition on my part. I'll give it that <laughs> one, but I will say. Um, this Arizona State defense has definitely undergone a major facelift this offseason. Danny Gonzalez comes in, SDSU, who is also on ASU's non-conference schedule. We'll get to them in a couple of weeks. They were the number 11 defense in the country last year. And then Arizona State is able to pry Gonzalez away with Herm Edwards. What do we think? What do you guys think is the the ceiling of this defense with Gonzalez at the helm?
2: I don't think it's going to be an overnight change. Like, it's going to take some time for the players to adjust in games. But over time, with Herm as the coach, too, I think this defense could be in the upper half of the Pac-12. They just got to eliminate some of those missed tackles, take advantage of their opportunities and the gifts that teams give them, whether that be bad throws or just missed missed opportunities.
1: With only a handful of returning starters and with a new defensive coordinator and a brand-new scheme, I think it's going to be a transition year for the defense this year. Um, I look for Chase Lucas to really solidify a very solid secondary but the front the front six I should say um it's going to be a transition year for sure
0: absolutely and I'm and with that front six I mean you see a lot of guys that are now gone you had Jojo Wicker. you had DJ Calhoun Christian Ka- Sam Christian Sam Ka- Ta'Shawn yeah. Smallwood I mean there was just so much talent that was there maybe not all of it to an NFL level but there was enough yeah. Talent to be a successful college football program. And I just think Todd Graham and his staff were never able to truly tap into that. I do think, however, though, where you said it will be a growing pain, a bit of a growing pain this year, we'll see a lot of improvement maybe two years down the road when you have guys like Ashari Crosswell, Jermaine Lole, Merlin Robertson, all with another year of experience in their belt. And of course, like a world class defensive staff with Gonzalez, yeah. Antonio Pierce, Manning, the linebackers. Mm. And it's just, it just, has so much potential, it's a matter of meeting it, though. Totally agree.
2: Yeah, I think that this defense is going to take some time, and their rushing defense is going to be the biggest part of that defense that falls off from last year. I mean, the pass defense, it can only really go up, at least I would think. But the front six is going to take a little time, but eventually I think by the end of the season it's not necessarily the
1: worst in the conference. I would certainly agree with everything Carson just said.
2: All right,
0: then. Moving on from that, I mean – now that both teams had, they played. These two teams played two years ago in at the Alamo Dome. Arizona State needed to come back. Granted, Dalton Stern was the quarterback at the time for the Roadrunners. They had Davenport and a little bit more depth at a few different positions. But now a lot of new faces. So I'm going to challenge you both with who is the player to watch on both teams this Saturday.
1: The player to watch for um, UTSA. At least, in my opinion, will be Jalen Rhodes. We're looking at a guy who averaged nearly 4.9 yards a carry with limited carries for the Roadrunners, um, and with Clay and Sturm both out of the picture this season, look for Rhodes to get a lot of touches um, this weekend.
2: I think for UTSA, the player to watch is Cordell Grundy because he's never had a snap at FBS level of football, so who knows how he's going to perform? But against this secondary, that's the thing—you never know how he might do in his first game. But this is, the, this is actually a great game for the ASU secondary because they have plenty of time to get ready for the bigger opponents with better offenses, better quarterbacks. And then on the ASU side, it's easy to say that the player to watch is Nikhil Harry because obviously he is one of the big players to watch. But I'm going to say Brandon Ruiz because he had a great freshman year. And if he could just nail his extra points and his field goals and stuff, I think that that should just be the icing of the cake and the Devils will win.
1: In my opinion, the ASU player to watch would probably be Eno Benjamin. We've already talked about on the podcast how ASU's is going to look to run the ball this year. I already mentioned how UTSA is four of their top six tacklers missing from a season ago. So, Eno Benjamin, this is a guy who rushed for 2,604 yards and 32 touchdowns in his senior year of high school. He's a Incredible numbers in the state of Texas. He was the number five running back prospect in the country at one point. Um, look for you know, Benjamin really to be a big factor, not only in this game, but for the entire, for the rest of the season.
0: All right. So I guess that leaves me last to finish this one up. So I'm going to start off with the UTSA player. I'm going to match you, Carson, with Cordell Grundy. I think any, it, this this quarterback battle at UTSA is a perfect example of your school does not, in, does not, it's not indicative of your talent level. The, the person that Grundy was able to beat out for this starting job was dj gillens he was a four-star recruit at one point many moons ago he took he he had an offer he had his big 10 offers he had his acc offers he went to wisconsin and smu just wasn't able to stick as a top tier quarterback and he couldn't do it at utsa either i so i think grundy i'm impressed to see what grundy has mm. exactly he's a grinder he's a fighter and Honestly, that's a dangerous type of quarterback for ASU. It's, I, I see a little bit of Sturm in that, the way Dalton Sturm came in at home two years ago against the Sun Devils and really showed up that defense in San Antonio. And for the Sun Devils, I'm going to go with someone that's a with something a little bit more unorthodox. Rather than a, a single player, I'm going to go with a group. And I'm going to say the offensive line. Good call. For how much Herm Edwards has reiterated his interest in running the ball into the ground, he wants to play. A, traditional smash-mouth football where he just wants to pound the rock. And I think if this line can come together, not only will they protect Wilkins a lot better this year, I think the ground game will open up. For the last three years, we saw Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard leading a two-headed attack as in the backfield. But we never really saw a true consistency getting developed. I mean, Richard was hurt his junior season, which really hindered his chances to make it in the NFL. Balaj, of course, had the physical gifts but really lacked a lot of the instinctual things that make a quality NFL running back. I think we see Isaiah Floyd, I think we see Eno you know, Benjamin really explode if this line is able to muster, up, muster together some solid blocking and give everyone a lot of time to make plays.
1: Brock Sturgis is another guy to look out for yeah, as definitely. well in that backfield. Brock Sturgis was a big prospect at Island High School. and Although
2: he was a three-star man, that guy was crazy. Just watch his highlight tape, Google that. His highlight tape is insane.
0: Absolutely. So now let's get down to the nitty-gritty, guys. Season win losses. Let's see where you guys both think Arizona State falls come bowl season or the end of November. All
2: right. I think I think I have the Sun Devils at five wins. Even though I said that they could get to seven or eight earlier, I think it's more likely that we can't assume the best in Harm's first year. I think they lose some of those 50-50 games between teams like Colorado, UCLA, um, Utah, stuff like that. I think they will maybe upset. A, they might pull off a few upsets with San Diego State, Stanford, but I'm not sure which ones they'll win, which ones they'll drop.
0: Well, I mean, to say four or five wins, I think, I mean, at least from where I stand on this, that would require them to lose all the 50 50 games and just have a lot of bad luck this season. Definitely. I really, realistically, see ASU winning between seven and eight games. I know that may seem like a bit of a reach in Herm Edwards' first year. He's got a lot of new faces. It's a lot of, it's a complete new idea. It's an entirely new idea of how to run a college football program. But I think Ray Anderson, given his NFL background as the VP of executive operations before he came to ASU, has to know a thing or two about how to run a football program. True. I understand he was, that Herm was, that he was Herm's agent. But putting that aside, I think there's enough good football minds around this program that they real that they can really surprise some people and finish within the top three of the South.
1: Personally, I think ASU is headed toward a five-win season like Carson just said. My main reason is the schedule. They got the schedule a heck of a schedule this year, including Washington on the road, Stanford usc there's no breaks michigan in this state? schedule michigan state on their non-conference schedule i think san diego state on the road is going to be a very tough game after they just after they came into tempe last season and beat the sun devils i think with only a handful of returning starters on a defense that was already a uh, weak last season i think it could be i think it's going to be a transition year this year for the sun devils but next year look out for asu to do bigger th- things in my opinion
0: we'll have to wait and see obviously Twelve weeks of football to be played, but our focus right now is on week one. So, guys, game predictions. Let's hear it.
2: I think I have Arizona State thirty-four, UTSA sixteen. ASU is going to start off a little sluggish as they typically do in openers, but eventually in the second half they will pull away, end up winning by double digits.
1: Personally, I think Frank Wilson, the head coach of the Roadrunners, is a very good, very, um, very accomplished head coach. So I think UTSA is going to make this a little closer than it should be. I'd say ASU 35, UTSA 21. All right, wow.
0: A little bit of differing opinions. I, too, have the Sun Devils winning. A little bit larger of a margin. I'm going to go 42 to 17. Wow. I think ASU comes out and makes a statement in this first week with Herm Edwards. I think people have been sleeping on the Sun Devils since he was hired, saying that this program was going to be kind of a a bit of a joke almost, and people slept on it but i think if there's a, i think if this i think this staff has way too much potential to implode right away
2: i agree with that i don't see them losing by any means i just think the way they started even the last two years like the first halves against northern arizona and last year against new mexico state both were pretty close at halftime and of course they pulled away against northern arizona in 2016 last year was a 6 point game i believe at the at the end of it so who knows what to expect from an
1: opener though I expect something similar to what we saw last year in the fact that there, there was a decent margin of of a lead heading into halftime, but then New Mexico State came back and closed that lead all the way down to six. I don't think it's going to go all the way down to six, given how much of a mismatch this game really is, but at the same time, is no pushover. It's a well-coached team that beat Baylor last season. I know Baylor didn't have the best of years last year, but that's still a, a Big 12 school.
0: Now, granted, New Mexico State played against a lot of the Sun Devils' second team in the final quarter and a half of the opener last season. I don't see Herm Edwards as the type that would really be willing to pull his starters. I understand that if it, the score is just absolutely absurd, then it's, it becomes meaningless. And for injury purposes, you don't pull anyone out. or You pull everyone out, excuse me. But this, is a, this seems like the type of coach who just wants to win and make every play count. So I, if ASU is... Piling it on, expecting it, it. Do not, I, I if I'm hurt, Edwards, I'm not taking my foot off the gas.
1: I totally agree. This is the same guy who said, You play to win the game. Am I right? True. So,
0: absolutely. So, I think that just about does it for our first episode, guys.
1: All right, it's pretty good job. Oh. <laughs> Sound, sounds great to me.
0: You know what? There's always room for improvement. The only place you can go is up. It's so, true. It's very true. For one last time today, I'm Zach McHale.
1: I'm Carson Field. I'm Koki Riley.
0: And you're listening to the Devils in Detail podcast.